0: Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. As we approach the Christmas period, we at Hiraith meet as a triumvirate for the first time this term. In tonight's episode, we reflect on autumn tax cuts, inflation falls and an ongoing COVID inquiry that is highlighting many of the issues at the top of government of the UK. We also look back on recent developments in civic Wales. Budget cuts, winter crises in the NHS, trouble in some of Wales's anchor institutions, including the Labour Party. And we also look forward to some fun stuff with Christmas just around the corner. Fun things like an impending general election. To talk through this, uh, I am joined as ever by Mr Richard Martin. Hello, Rich. Hello, gentlemen. And Mr Kerry Davis. Hello, Kerry.
1: Evening, Matt. Evening, Rich.
0: Wonderful. So that that intro was a bit more bleak before I cheered it up a little But That was Kerry's doing. wasn't oh, been that bad, Rich?
2: Uh, Well, it's not been great. It's very difficult trying to find some good news on the the local, national, international front at the moment. Uh, It's pretty unrelenting. Hoping that we can find something uh, something good to say about uh, the situation in Wales. Um, And at the very least, what I can promise is that at the end of this podcast, we are going to make a wager, um, which will at least give us something over the coming months that puts some real, um, put something on the line, you know, our credibility as individual contributors to this podcast on the line. And I think that is something to look forward to.
0: I probably still owe you a crate of beer from the last bad bet I made, uh, Rich. Uh, Kerry, what is your good news story of this autumn, or is it all bleak with you two?
1: Uh, well, as you said, I wrote the initial introduction, which you then completely rescripted highlighting the bad stuff it's not there is good stuff it wasn't bad it just didn't flow. there's lot there's lots of interesting good stuff around i went through all the welsh government's announcements over the last couple of months ahead of tonight and there's lots of good stuff coming out there there's housing developments there's areas of training and education uh things like that there's investment going in it it is good it's just you just get drawn into the negative and you know i think we're going to talk about some of the things which i've worked on in the past so we're looking at health stats we're looking at the budget the financial side of things and it it is it is hard to see those glimmers of light in these kind of areas that that exasperated groan rich
0: it's really, really really inspiring
1: what about you then matt you know you've, you 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 rechange the intro and <laughs> what have what have you put which is the positive? Or, you you know, talk us through some of those negatives. There was an article, I think, in the last few weeks around the knives out for the FM. What was that about?
0: So, yeah, it, this uh, interesting article by Ruth Mazalski in the uh, West Melbourne line talking about some of the purported frustrations that certain people within the Labour Party are having behind the scenes with, with Mark Drakeford concerns that he is pushing forward an agenda because he feels obligated and duty-bound to do so, rather than it being uh, necessarily something that's particularly popular, something we all should theoretically like the sound of, right? People doing what they think is right, no matter the political consequences. But Mark Drakeford won't ever have to stand for election again. And there's a number of political actors who are probably well, we'll get back to this in the bet, uh, probably about six months or so away from having to stand for election. So I'm sure there are a number of people standing for Westminster seats in the next couple of months, who are not particularly happy with things like 20 miles an hour, or as, as I'm sure you'll get into Kerry, the current state of the Welsh NHS. So it's kind of inevitable that maybe some people are trying to push him out. But You've seen lots of the MSs say they don't recognise those comments, so not to cast aspersions on where I think they've come from, but it would not surprise me if they were coming from those uh, looking towards a Westminster election. But it's 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 a really interesting piece because there are, I think, aspects of it that are fairly illuminating. I mean, some people have said to me that this seems like people trying to force an early leadership election. Um, I don't know that's necessarily the case, and I don't also think that necessarily much pushing Will be required. I think we're not too far away from Mark Draper stepping down now, probably within the next three or four months. I think that's probably fairly likely. Um, it's also, I think, worth noting that we've been having these conversations a long time, because Mark has said for a long time he's not gonna stick around forever. Now, when he was at the peak of his popularity everybody th- basically said that the reason Welsh Labour won 30 out of 60 seats in the last seven elections is all because of the popularity of Mark Drakeford. Recent polling shows that show it, that's, that's changing drastically. One of the latest Welsh-based polls showed that he's actually behind Andrew Artie Davis and who people would pick to be first minister. So a lot of people I know in sort of transport house circles in the Welsh Labour group were pushing Mark to stay to fight the next Senate election or at the very least be the leader of the Welsh campaign during the general election. Um, I'm not getting that vibe anymore. I think people have uh, seen that his popularity is on the wane. If that's the case, Mark, there was part of that article which associated that Mark is trying to take forward these quote unquote unpopular policies, such as 21 an hour uh, and an increased uh, amount of Welsh politicians. So they don't, impact the next person but it's how many battles you're willing to have on the way um that will really stand the test of time well will really tell when he's gonna have to go i think and but i don't think it's the case of requiring much pushing carrie i think we're firmly on that trajectory as it is
2: uh i'd like to again just kind of Just praise Ruth uh, Mazarski for another really interesting behind the scenes um, uh, article about the internal debate within the Labour Party in Wales. She did this again uh, just before the last Labour conference, I think it was, that time about Senate reform. I mean, thankfully, that subject is buried and behind us now, isn't it? There's no more debates than that. But, you know, for all the criticism, and Wales Online does get criticism from, you know, on a pretty regular basis, I think that people like Ruth are doing a great job, should be credited. Um, I think this article, I would sum this article up as uh, some Labour, potential MPs and others um, trying to stop Mark making their job of being elected harder. I mean, that's pretty much what they're saying is that they just want whilst Labour to go back to not doing anything that makes any news ever so that they can just carry on on their campaigns. I think it's a shame we were talking about this just as we were recording, because depending on your point of view, if you think that the care leavers, UBI pilots um, was a good thing and was good policy uh, helping some of the most vulnerable in society. If you think that is a good thing, um, you would praise Mark Drakeford for it. But unfortunately, because of the nature of the discourse uh, in across the United Kingdom, and it's since being weaponised by the Conservative Party in the UK, you know, Anglo-UK press, um, that is considered a weakness now uh, in the Labour Party campaign. And similarly, with the now infamous 20 mile per hour, people who champion road safety would think that that's been a really good move and would be really positive about it. Um, But again, it's been weaponized by political opponents and various campaign groups, um, as well as being objected to quite fairly by by a swathe of the population. But again, you know, unfortunately, if you actually want to make change you have you end up making political opponents um and um for you know arguably for many years Welsh labour has avoided that by not really making that much change um and mark drakeford has gone a slightly different route and there are people who would quite like him to stop doing that and we wait to see what will happen with the next first minister of wales and I suspect that the um the kind of person that many people in the Labour Party would like, would be somebody who will do exactly what the future very likely Starmer government would like them to do um, and minimise difference. We wait and we'll wait and see.
0: The thing, Rich, there are people on the left of the Labour Party who think he hasn't done enough.
2: I, I tell me this, Matt, tell me this. I'm going to, i to throw a theory at you. Are there people who don't like Mark Traitford because he is the last of the left-leaning leadership in the Labour Party that kind of erupted post-2015 with the kind of Corbyn wave. I mean, there was that kind of weird Cardiff's Corbyn label, which wasn't really true, but did stick to him. Um, I think mostly because he wore jumpers rather than suits. But but he is kind of associated with, you know, quite rightly, with the left um, Mm. of the party. And that's not where the centre of gravity is in England or Scotland or, you know, or large swathes of the Labour Party in Wales. So is he he a kind of man whose time has gone?
0: Uh, No, I don't think that's necessarily fair, Rich. I think that he's, well, for one, Mark Drakeford is 10 times the politician that uh, Jeremy Corbyn ever was or ever will be. He obviously, you know, not only knew how to win elections, uh, he's sort of, also being able to implement a policy agenda whether you believe in that, the rights or wrongs of that. um, he, Yeah, but he's also a much better tactician. He's been able to be elected as a, a left-wing Labour candidate, but also bring, well, apparently until this point, bring most of the rest of the party with him in a way that hasn't created the forever war that you see in England and Scotland. I certainly think there are parts of the, the right of the Labour Party, to the extent it exists in Wales, I think that's neither here nor there. I've always said that he, in Wales, even our Blairites are pretty left wing. Um, but the old Labour right, yeah, they probably don't rate him in the same way that the sort of left and soft left and centre of the party do because they always tend to focus on what are classified as re- in a redu- sort of reductionist way, bread and butter issues that uh, we should focus on the NHS, schools, roads, that kind of stuff, rather than the sort of bread and roses approach to politics that Mark Drakeford has taken in his time as leader of Wales.
1: I'm of that mind. I, I'm not interested in the individuals. I don't think you can compare uh, election success in Wales and election success in the UK. It's chalk and cheese and those who make those comparisons. It's just crazy how you can even go down that route. But isn't that what it's about, though? We're talking about individuals, and then what you just ended that piece with on that—it's about education, health, your transport, your economy. It's it's those bits which we, as a triumvirate, invariably have different opinions on, and what we're interested in in the pod. But that's what we wanted. To, that's what we need to be delivering on, and the the kind of behavioural change and making. Uh, society better policies which Welsh Government are pursuing currently, often to uh, the, much of the public's chagrin, like 20 miles per hour, those would be a lot more accepted if the kind of bread and butter policies which devolution has delivered around education, health, economy, transport, they were running smoothly. The other, likes it to have behaviour change, nanny state policies, would be a lot more easier to go down if those core aspects were being delivered and managed well. And you know, what is going really well in Wales at the moment?
0: No, I don't get just just to pick up on that, Kerry. Whilst I don't think anyone disagree, I mean, do I fundamentally disagree with you? Pro- probably not do do i do i think that everyone would be happier with stuff coming out of the welsh government if everything else they ran was doing well probably, yeah probably not i can't disagree with you there but again i think that and it's, it, not you for one just to make that clear but i do think that some people again this is me being old school lefty feel that when people talk about and again i've very eager to say it's not you but they, this is stuff that's in that ruth pozalski article there's a discussion there about focusing on things like the lgbt action plan you know in order to create a society that works for everybody you have to have this tolerant and accepting society people talking about why are the welsh government getting obsessed with uh being a nation of sanctuary when it's not even necessarily a devolved issue in many parts but it's I I am never going to be a person who opposes the Welsh Labour government doing things like that, but you're, you're right to an extent they have to get the, those other bread and butter issues right. Without sounding like a massive Welsh Labour apologist, it's very difficult to do those things when you're really limited financially, whereas making Wales a slightly more tolerant place is sort of good welcoming universalist policy that you can do for quite cheap so I, I i hold very little track with people like figures on the labor right like the quote in this piece who go basically i'm doing air quotes for everyone talking about minority issues when they actually affect us all because they make our society better so i i i don't i don't think anyone disagrees that they would like to see welsh services be run better but i i don't like the fact that it's always seen as them being in competition with minority rights, whereas I think we can do both.
2: Well, it's nice to see um, someone, you know, someone from, from Welsh Labour points of view, not just blaming the UK government for a lack of money. That's some, um, that's definitely.
0: <laughs> hey, I, 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 I'll, I'll blame the next UK Labour government for a lack of money if it ever <laughs> comes around to that as well.
2: <laughs> um, chaps, that's very therapeutic. Um, Unfortunately, the reality is that many of those uh, actual uh, deliverables are not going particularly well. Before we start talking about bread and butter, or as uh, you know, Blairite Labourers would say, um, what would be hummus and Duchy of Cornwall biscuits, um, <laughs> um, shall we just get the Senate reform conversation out of the way, um, and then we can talk about a bit more substance. So. So of recent, and prompted by many things, quite a lot of people being you know, rightly unhappy about it, but in recent days, quite a lot of people coming out publicly against it, including, and certainly by no means least, Prof McAllister on BBC's worst Politics on the weekend, uh, pushing back on the Senate reform plans for the form of proportional representation um, that has been chosen which is the closed PR list system, which essentially allows the parties to choose all of the candidates, and then the public would just be able to choose which party. They wouldn't have any control of the candidate. There are some that would hope that this campaigning would change that proposed system. Uh, Matthew, I know we covered this in our little pre-recording chat. Would you like to explain why those people are probably likely to be disappointed?
0: (laughs) Uh, I do think that this bill is a fait accompli now. I think this legislation will pass. And why? Thank you, Richard. I was getting there. I was taking a breath. Sure. Um, why do I think it will pass? Because well, one, it seems simple, but Labour implied have the votes to get it through. Now you could say, oh, what? If there, there's discontent amongst members for this legislation. Maybe they'll vote against it. I mean, there's been discontent uh, amongst members of the Senate before and they still voted for legislation. I think what you'll very likely see as well is that um a bit of in a bit of party management, it would not shock me if all the parties grandfathered their candidates in for at least for at very least the next Senate the next Senate election, guaranteeing them a seat. And if that were to be the case, I think you'd find that those who are vocal opponents or even sort of quiet opponents of the legislation would sort of be less vocal. And, and this sort of goes to the heart of the matter. I think that the, from a political tactical view, the absolute worst thing you could do is uh, vote against legislation which hands gr- vast swathes of power to your political party and vote against your political party because that surely would not be the uh, best thing to do to curry favour if you so wanted to be at the top of the list for the next Senate election. So I just don't think it's very likely. I, From all the conversations everybody, I think, involved in this in any way, should or form has had, no one is particularly happy with the legislation. Nobody likes the choice of electoral system. It is awful for the smaller parties. I mean, you're looking at a sort of not a legal, but an actual threshold of around 12% in each constituency to get so to get a candidate elected. I mean, Kerry, me and you have talked about this before, but you know, this this system for the Greens is appalling. It's I think it's actually worse for the Greens than the previous one makes it less likely to see a Green elected to the Senate than the previous system. So it's, it's a brilliant system for the big three parties. So that's why I think it will go through, even though the Conservatives will oppose it because they don't like the principle. It's not a bad system for them. It will see a significant increase in their membership. So that's why I think it's a fait accompli. Much like a lot of things in Wales, civic society will say, almost unified, in an almost unified fashion, we don't like this but I can't see it being repealed or changed in any way.
2: Any contrarian thoughts, uh, Kerry, what the party wants, the party gets?
1: Yeah, I think if you look back over our pods in the time we've been doing it, and this has come up, I've been pretty consistent in saying it's what we're looking at isn't good, it's not something I want. I don't think it will be great for the Greens either, although I'm... Uh, uh, I'm an outlier amongst the party on that who are looking forward to this next Senate election. And you can but hope, even if there was a better system for the Senate, I it would be lower down my priority. I want local government in Wales reformed way before uh, the national level. But, you know, I'm just a, a jobbing podcaster throwing <laughs> comments in. I'll leave it to others. But uh, we're going to have to come back to local government, I think, in 24 for a pod, because I think there's huge problems uh, financially in that area. And it's not all about finance. It's about good governance and structure. And I think we do have to look at that and get some of the big players in and give us a view on what they think it's going to be in the future. But local government reform in Wales has to be looked at this decade.
0: I'd agree there, okay I... I, I... It seems to be one of the, you know, as it is with us as well, this crazy fascination we have about the size and shape of local government in Wales. But you see, I've seen for the first time ever, possibly actually, usually under tweets of yours, Perry, where we talk, you know, I, where we talk about we need to have fewer uh, local councils in Wales. And I'm seeing more and more people say that we actually need more local authorities. And that absolutely blows my mind. I can't, you know, if you think, um, more politicians in the Senate is unpopular. Wait till you see what the political reaction in the public would be to having even more
1: councils. Uh, Well, I don't think that was on my social media because I haven't seen any of that. I had one chat with some chap from Brazil, but he wasn't advocating the Brazilian model (laughs) by any means. Now, it's pretty much universal in those I engage with that there's a desire for a rationalisation of local government. It's just how we do it and... How we get those turkeys to vote for Christmas is the is the adage I think which is often used. Uh, very apt for this time of year, Karen.
2: And and the answer is of course just get a butcher in. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, I say that as a vegetarian. Um,
0: <laughs>
2: so we've talked we've talked national government, local government. Let's talk about the union government. Um, it's been a heck of a busy time over in Westminster. A lot of stuff. Autumn statement again trying to skirt around all of the personality driven stuff but the you know, the resignation of the former home secretary and the subsequent return of former Prime Minister Cameron um as foreign secretary and the, you know the arduous time he's having in the various grace and favor homes that he's been given as part of that role um you know terrible finding which room to be in at any one time um a lot of stuff happening Could surely be in the garden shed though still richly <sighs> Yeah, wasn't, well, it,
1: wasn't it a shepherd's hut
2: <laughs> well i'm sure he can support uh west ham or aston villa from either one so um oh god we are so niche God, we the really guys are. we are good, some good, of the nerdi- nerdiest people that i know a lot of
0: people a lot of people come to us and say oh i'm really sorry this this topic's a bit niche." I was like you found it
2: yeah yeah we need some actual political anoraks to wear don't we <laughs> so,
0: uh
2: hat tip, louis, louis mertens um so Among other things, all right, who wants to pick up Westminster? In addition to the actual reality of stuff that's coming out at the moment um, over the last few weeks, uh, we also have the looming election, which is the fevered talk of the time um, and also leans into the Mark Traitford conversation we we recently had. Uh, Matt, Kerry, do you have any comments on the recent uh, activities at the other end of the M4?
1: What to say? It's a a bun fight, isn't it? I I just think uh, if you've been following the... The COVID inquiry, which they've got up there, including any kind of Welsh business in that, I think some of what's coming out of there in the last few weeks by uh, Sir Chris Whitty and uh, other senior officials and what they kind of put at the door of the politicians sums it up, really. I think there was lines in diaries about lack of leadership, shambles, failure, and I think that can be writ large. I mean, the autumn statement just come out we've got lower taxes rishis halved inflation when you know they use no levers whatsoever in government to tackle inflation and if there is anything that can be laid at the conservative's door it's the increase of inflation so i know matt wants to talk about it but uh, not talk about westminster but talk about a potential welsh person going to westminster but what what can you say about what's going on there? It 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 is just one disaster after another, isn't it? Which <laughs> I
2: it it feels like that, Carrie. And I, I the thing that we've just talked about the fact that we we have problems with quality of government in Wales. Sorry, my dog has just decided this is obviously allergic to talking about Westminster, uh, which it kind of share. Um, We we talk about the problems of good governance at local government in Wales, at the national government of Wales. I think that, you know, unfortunately, because of the sort of um, bended knee approach that a lot of people have to um, Westminster and London, um, I think that, you know, we genuinely have a deep crisis of government in the union parliament as well. And it is such a problem But because it comes dressed in all of the grandeur of Westminster, I think people just kind of accept it. And you don't get the kind of criticisms like, you know, you see all the time in Wales, you know, oh, Welsh government is doing a terrible job. We should scrap devolution. I mean, that is a kind of nonsensical approach to what is a serious problem. But we have the same problems of terrible government in uh, in Westminster as well. And uh, I'm not going to call for the abolishment of Mm -hmm. Westminster because that would just be stupid. But what I just want is people to do a really good job and public service, you know, really should be about public service and there is an unhealthy uh, sort of circle of comment about about uh, Westminster and I, I wish that we had, you know, one of the things that I think would be really, really good is if we had a genuinely great um, public service broadcaster in Wales that wasn't in hoc to um, the United Kingdom Parliament for it and government for its funding so that we could actually get some decent analysis of what's going on and some proper clarity of vision because it is, it is disgraceful the stuff that we've seen of recent and that kind of personality-driven enmity behind the scenes in cabinet leaking out into say basically forcing the policy hand of the prime minister and government is is just awful it's it's awful all over um, who would want to become a member of a parliament like that Matthew, uh,
0: well. Darren Miller, because I don't know if everyone's seen the uh, the news, but um, the member of the Senate for Claude West has been selected by the local Conservative Party to be the, uh, member, the parliamentary candidate for the new Westminster seat of Claude North. He was saying that uh, having been in the Senate for 16 years, he is... Uh, I'm quoting from, uh, I'm quoting from Darren now, just in case someone uh, tries to take away uh, my Labour Party membership card. Just, just getting that on the record, and before Rich can uh, clip it up, as me saying this. Uh, he says, having been a member of the Senate for the past sixteen years, I've seen firsthand the damage that the Labour government in Wales has inflicted on our NHS, education system, and the economy. So I will, I will do everything I can to rent, Sir Keir stammer, getting the keys. To number 10
2: uh, i i find darren miller is one of the most interesting conservative members of the senate i think because uh many uh, of our listeners will remember the time that when uh there was a a, deg- a degree of frisson between andrew Artie davis and alan cairns in the run-up to the 2017 general election I think I'm right in saying, there were so many general elections at that time, um, uh, where, um, basically neither the secretary of state for Wales, nor the leader of the Welsh conservative group in the Senate was available and Darren Miller popped up to represent the, um, Welsh conservatives on on national stage. And he's been talked about perennially as a potential future leader, but never really, sort of really stuck, um, stuck his name in the hat. Um, and now he's uh bidding to succeed david jones more or less in, in the successor seat largely to david jones's former seat david jones obviously one of the leading uh conservative Brexiteer voices not only in wales but uh, across the united kingdom um and so i i think he's a little bit of a you know an interesting question about whether that's a loss to the senate group um in terms of his contribution and leadership or well, you know if he's successful of course um, or whether that would be um, you know, maybe freeing up an opportunity for some young blood to come in. Any thoughts, Chaps?
0: I have an awful lot of time for Darren. Uh, I think he, he is by far one of the most respected and senior members of that Welsh Conservative group. He's their chief whip, business manager. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a huge figure in that group and very important, has been instrumental in bringing um, people like Sam Rowlands into the fold into the Senate group um so I and I, and I do think I mean th- there are people in the, the the on the left wing of politics screaming at me at this moment in time I think he would be a, a huge loss to Senate if he were to win um that seat um I think that him winning that seat will be very difficult I think if you look at the boundaries of the new um, Clwyd North seat it has well, all of real in it i think that would make that seat really difficult for a conservative to win they're very solidly labor it's sort of most like the veil of, probably most like the vale of clwyd seat obviously that's split now between the new clwyd east and this so so it's it's really really difficult i mean they you know uh for them to win that seat uh, another another question that comes from that is obviously you can't be a member of the Westminster Parliament and a member of the Welsh Parliament at the same time. Um, I think that it is probably unlikely that he would stand down from the Welsh Parliament akin to the way that sort of Hugh Aranka Davis stood down from the uh, Westminster Parliament before his election to the Senate. I, I can't see that happening in this instance. But if he were to win the Clwyd uh, North seat, there would obviously then be a by-election. By-elections may be a thing of the past, by the way, under the new Senate reform legislation. So we may get our last ever Senate by-election, if that's to be the case. Um, you'd think that if he won that seat at a Westminster level, they'd probably win that subsequent by-election. But there is, it does open the doors to the potential for there being a, 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 an election which could hand Welsh Labour their first ever majority in the Welsh Parliament, if that would be the
2: case. And, and that by-election would be held on the old constituency seat, of course, because yes. until the Senate Reform Bill goes through, the constituency seats would be the same, which would be fun for everybody.
0: Yes, it really would, yeah. For all the local parties having to reorganise themselves in a million different ways in the space of a couple of months, it would be great fun.
2: Um, and thank you for going through that explanation. I was gonna ask that question, just if for no other reason other than to relive my pain and embarrassment about having failing to predict that Trina Piarweth would not stand for Ernest <laughs> Morn um, and would instead uh, stand for leadership Plaid so thank you for opening that gaping wound um in my credibility again Matthew um before we leave <laughs> Westminster <laughs> sure it was um before we leave Westminster I should also say one of the interesting things that has arisen um uh, that has kind of resolved the question in Ply Cymru we sort of you know, bridging that over to Ply Cymru um when we interviewed David Wigley for the pod um a good few months ago now um about his decade in the House of Lords months was well, two and a
0: half years ago. No,
2: wasn't. wasn't that long ago.
0: I was in my old house about two and a half years ago.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, uh, we've been when... doing
0: this a long time now, Rid.
2: <laughs> when we when we interviewed David Wigley for a really excellent podcast about his decade in the Lords some time ago, um, he was at the end of the the interview asking the question about whether it is right that Cymru, uh you know, puts up names, nominates names for being in the House of Lords because. As is well known, um, the Scottish National Party does not put people forward for the Lords, despite standing for seats in the Commons, um, you know, national parties in Ireland, Sinn Féin, uh, the one obviously coming straight to mind, doesn't take its seats in the Commons and obviously wouldn't go near the Lords without, uh, yes, at all. But Ply Cymru has decided that it will seek to replace David Wiggley Wigley in the Lords and we're already seeing names being thrown into the hats, including such long-standing voices as former guest of the pod Alvin lloyd who uh, is one of the sort of long-standing grandees i think we would probably call Alvin a grandee without offending him um, these days can we um uh, uh in Ply Cymru, um coming from a legal background he would be sort of suited to that kind of legal um housemaid uh, role that uh, legislative housemaid role that the lords is um supposed to function as um, and also would be a strong voice for Playa Cymru in the Lords, but also we're seeing interesting, really young challenges. People like Carmen Rhea Smith, a young lady from Annis Mourne originally, you know, seeking the nomination and that would be a really interesting change of tone, having someone in there who's really, well, probably a quarter of the age of the average um, House of Lords member. So really interesting to sort of see Playa Cymru have made a decision on that and will be putting um, names forward or having an internal election to put a name forward for the House of Lords. Do we want to talk about PCCs, or was that is that too boring even for us? Too boring. Yeah. Too boring, wow, God.
0: I, we can revisit it at a later date to talk about what's happened in the Labour Party, and if anybody really wants to know what's happened in the Labour Party, they can pay us to make our podcast, but for the minute. We'll...
2: <laughs> okay, chaps, let's move on. Where are we heading to next on the lucky dip? I'm sounding like someone from How I Got News to You on the Google Google Doc of News.
0: May may I? I. So I don't know about you, chaps, but this week has felt a darn sight colder. And don't worry, we're not going to start talking about the weather, but it does start making me think, about the looming winter crisis in the NHS, Kerry, you've you know you're our resident health buffin. How's it looking?
1: I think the word crisis is where you want to be, Matt. Really, the the latest stats for Wales came out last week, and uh, there they were records galore in waiting times where people are at, and uh, I think it was over seven hundred and sixty thousand pathways which equates to just under six hundred thousand individual patients and that's the months of september so as we head into winter we're not looking in a, a good place it's uh it's one of those ones where if you're on a waiting list or you're going down that route you may well have a significant weight ahead i think the two-year weights are still going down but we've still got a number several thousand in that area um, but i did start the show being a bit negative but it, As I mentioned, some of the announcements which are in Welsh Government's news just doesn't get picked up. I was going through them, and there are some good stuff in health. There's the North Wales Medical Training School is up and running and taking in trainees based in Bangor, which is a great thing to help that particular region and the ongoing issues with Betsy. There's a new orthopaedic hub, Plan for Landidno, and some of these things, you know, Orthopaedics are what's really driving the waiting list. So if we can get something, and I've worked on campaigns on what but on surgical hubs, and I think those will make a massive difference once they're up running, fully staffed, and doing what we call high volume, low complexity operations, like a, like a factory setting. It, it will make a difference to those. But these things take time, as everything does in health. It takes time to get the facilities ready, and to recruit or train the staff you need for them. So, you know, try to be a little bit of upbeat there at the end, but, you know, the underlying facts are still pretty poor.
0: Thank you for that cheery summary, Kerry. Do we want to tackle something else equally as fun? Um, There was a very interesting scrutiny session in the Senate recently, Yes, I just said there was an interesting scrutiny session in the Senate recently. I that is possible. I do that does happen.
2: Sacrilege, Matthew. Many of them are interesting.
0: Many of them are interesting, and people should tune in. Um, mm. I I always think they're interesting. I just think yeah, people occasionally think they're a bit dry. But I I am not one of those people. That think very well saved, Kerry, <laughs> um, There was a really interesting one recently with uh, uh, transfer for Wales. Do you mind sim- summarising that and uh, where we are with everything?
1: Well, it's not so much a summary because I only saw some of it and I read some of the transcript, but um I think it was it was one of those popular ones because it it is something which has grabbed the media and the social media attention the state of TFW as it goes through its uh, metamorphosis from a, a private organisation to a public one, and it's at the same time as in fairness Welsh government are putting in huge amounts of money, huge amounts in you know we we haven't talked around the budget uh, the welsh budget announcement this year but it's getting more money whether that's a good thing or a bad thing time will tell but uh, in the scrutiny session Thea griffith i thought was showed an excellent chairmanship and uh, put a real spotlight on tfw executives asking them about what the issues were and why they were happening with a particular focus on uh, events and some of our sports events capacity, and then you might recall earlier this autumn, there was the cancelling with a a big loss of unrecoverable money of an event stabling system in Llan Wern. And Thea really brought it all to a head with the chief executive of TFW, and I think most commentators would think that TFW really did, didn't come out of it looking that good, really. But um, as I said, the money going into Welsh Rail is huge, it's going to take time, as I said with health. It takes time to deliver. The South Wales Metro is it's coming, but it's it's again as we said with um, one of the lines on the autumn statement. It's jammed tomorrow, and people want this now. And uh, new rolling stock. There's new timetables in December. New rolling stock coming in in January again. So it is going. It is getting better, but where we'll be, who knows? But I thought the committee. It is one of those things we we're doing here and here, if you can find the right committees, the right kind of areas of Welsh government to look at, there is a lot of good stuff out there. And it is worth looking at. And that particular committee, um, you know, it was really interesting, particularly if you've got that transport interest.
0: I think it's worth pointing out this moment in time, Carrie, just a bit of context. So there were only two organisations spared the huge budget cuts that were just imposed by the Welsh government and that was the Welsh NHS and Transport for Wales who got an extra 125 million pounds a lot of which came from the rest of the climate change department budget so that i think those an important context in terms of strategic priorities for the Welsh government you you see where they're focusing their their cash
1: yeah yeah no, i think that's something we should talk about i think that was probably one of the biggest issues in Welsh government this autumn is that that reprofiling of budgets and uh, health needed a bailout again and TFW needed a bailout. it's you know it, this is all I mean about the future. Are we creating a, a rail system which is increasingly us unsustainable? and if it is, what do we want to cut? you know we haven't talked about buses but we've had a really good uh, bus pod we can refer people to to understand a bit more about that. What is going to be cut? Because by the look of it, with inflation still significantly high, despite Ritchie having halved it, next year's budget are going to be difficult. And without drawing, you know, this is an area now which is um, quite close to what I've worked on in recent years. But uh, I'm really keen on getting um, the lower paid, higher paid. But the autumn statement last week, um, we're... The minimum wage has gone up by, I think it's a pound and two pence. Great to see, great to see. And if you're in receipt of that money, um, it's going to be a really good uh, boost to your pay packet. But that's going to have absolutely huge ramifications, which hasn't really come out in many news outlets yet. It's going to have huge ramifications on an awful lot of organisations, particularly publicly funded organisations, where they're not paying that amount. So next year's budgets are, for a lot of organisations, already shot in the foot. Great for those on that pay packet, as I say, and it's something I would totally support, and I think credit to the Conservative government for following, I think it was the Low Pay Foundation's recommendations in what they did, but it's just going to, the planning organisations need to to prepare for such an increase just isn't there, and it's just going to be a hard year next year. I think I think on this, Kerry, just talking about the uh, trying to mix a couple of
0: things together. I, I don't know if anyone saw the Welsh government's reaction to the autumn statement, but obviously they <laughs> uh, surprise, surprise, they were uh, overly favourable towards it. But I think the, just the key stat I picked out from it was that uh, in terms of revenue funding, uh, the autumn statement will mean that the Welsh government is naught point I think it's one percent reduction in revenue doesn't sound like a lot but it, you know when we're talking government money that's that's a big chunk of change um it's also seeing a six percent reduction in their capital allowance so overall it's about a one percent drop in funding for the Welsh government which yeah which again doesn't sound like a lot but when you think about just how much the Welsh government's having to drag out of all these other departments it's it's only going to make things worse especially as Kerry, as, as Kerry has rightfully said, inflation has halved, but that does not mean inflation has gone down to zero. We're still experiencing very high levels of inflation. So things are still getting more expensive and will proceed to get more expensive, even when public budgets are being strained.
2: I also would like to have a little bit of a, um, a comment. Stern talking to people who like the way that things are done in Westminster, and want the Senate to be more like Westminster, because while I think most people would be on the side of a hike in minimum rate wage, including my dog. Sorry about that. Um, uh, the The reality is that the whole point of these kind of budgetary moments. What do they call? What do they call them? What did they call them when uh, fiscal this, events? Fiscal events. Budgetary moments. Budgetary movements in the night. No, we've um, got to
0: call them budgetary uh, moments from yeah. now on. I think. <laughs> but, one of but, those big fancy Westminster pu- uh, uh, petitions, the UK government should rename fiscal events to budgetary moments. budgetary
2: moments. Well, I mean, there are increasingly they are increasingly more um, fleeting, aren't they? Um, so moments might be more important, uh, more appropriate. Um, but the whole point of doing all of this stuff. Um, as some kind of showmanship, pulling out these things from the hat on a single day without having done the hard work of consultation, exploration with industry. So you can can say as Chancellor, hey, I'm going to raise the minimum wage, but you haven't done any of the consultation to prepare hospitality, you know, third sector, various other organisations for the fact that this might be coming down the road. And this is one of the things that really grates me about Westminster is that the idea is that things can just be sort of spouted off and people think oh wow that must just be how it is but the reality is that it's actually not good government to do that it's it's all about showmanship electioneering everything else I just want a good government that does a good job and we're not getting that at Westminster I'm grumpy about it I just hate hate it the idea that you know these things are like rabbit out of hat hey I'm going to introduce this policy without having forewarned it just for the headlines I mean it's, it's terrible it's just terrible bad bad government don't like it do better be better have a, have a better budgetary moment next time round.
1: <laughs> uh strong thoughts there's a few things i think we've been we've been quite good uh in the autumn pods so we don't want to reiterate uh some of what we've been over but i think we had the future generations commissioner on earlier this year and his seven-year strategy came out recently i think that's worth a read i, I still have a view but uh culture each strategy for breakfast and I think his five key areas for improvement are pretty much where we'd expect them to be anyway. I don't won't go through them. But I think, you know, one of the things Derek, uh, the commissioner said that he's gonna divert resources of his institution to increase advice and support to public bodies. I think that's something which is really good to have seen uh this autumn. And we also did a, a water pod recently which went out uh just in the past week, I thought that was really good, and I've reflected on that it just really highlights that you know our environment still isn't really at the top of the agenda. and I, having listened to it again when we when we launched it publicly, it does make me think that why isn't water a lot more higher profile than where it than where it is? And is that something the next few years we might see? Rich. Any
0: thoughts that you'd like to share with uh, the listeners before we head off?
1: Yep.
2: Um, Thank you, Matt. Uh, The people will know um, that I have a strong interest in uh, journalism and broadcasting um, and was involved on a piece of work for the Welsh Government um, recently that advocated the establishment of a shadow broadcasting authority for Wales. Um, Great to see that being given a bump um, by a number of notable people within the broadcast sector today just to remind the Welsh government that that report was a lot of hard work, but also exists. And we do have a journalism pod that's been in the edit for a while that will be coming to feed soon, featuring another member of uh, that panel that uh, explores some of the same issues about regulation of media. And I think that one of the things that we need to be thinking about is the future of public service broadcasting in Wales and specifically future of the bbc and s4c s4c has not been without its own in-house drama uh, of recent and so um we probably need to be serious about um the future of
1: that rich can i can i ask you about that because uh when i when i draft but i put some stuff in the script it was there are a few points around some of our more not political but our leading civic bodies. WIU, National Museum, S4C, have all had a difficult autumn. We're running out of time, but you just mentioned S4C, and it's the one I probably know least about because uh, as a only a beginner for Welsh, I don't follow it as much. But what 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 has happened there? What's are we we've lost the, we've lost the chief exec this week, haven't we?
2: We have lost the, I can't remember the head of programmes, I can't remember, I can't remember the title, Um, former head of programmes, Linos Griffin, and also, yeah, recently, Sean Doyle has been sacked by the board um, in relation to a recent report that was um, conducted by Capital Law about behaviour within the organisation. So exactly what you're talking about, Kerry, there has been complaints made highlighting governance issues leading to the um, sacking of the executive. Um, and that is, that should not be happening in public bodies, you know, we should not have to get to this point where things are going to crisis mode, major change of uh, personnel, key personnel, at a time when, frankly, you know, the whole broadcasting sector in Wales, and s in particular, is just one Nadine Doris away from being completely erased from the face of the planet. So I think we should be expecting better. Um, and I'm not privy to the internal, I don't work for S4C, I'm not on the inside of the organisation, but we should be, as a society, paying a lot more attention to how these things are run and expecting more transparency and better delivery, frankly, at the end of the day. And S4C has been, in terms of programming, has been on a bit of a roll recently. And, you know, it's now committed to regular film output, albeit in very modest capacity as well and you look at the history of that recently, that's also been on a roll. We should be very positive about S4C from a programming point of view, but there are wider issues at work.
1: Just just on that point about we, we should want better, and we're not going to get a chance to, to get to it in this particular episode, but I'd encourage people to look at some of the bodies we've got in Wales that are pushing for better. Audit Wales have got some really good documents out at the moment on their investigations and publications, and The one around the National Museum, which I think everyone in Wales would want to be run at the very top of its game, is well worth a read. And, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking for better.
0: Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Before we go, I think it is uh, right to let everybody know that we have engaged in a wager.
2: We have indeed. Absolutely.
0: Buy in on this wager? Yes, you're in. Yes, you were the one who set the quantum of said bet.
2: No, a wager boffin, among other things.
0: Yes, indeed. (laughs) Um, So we have been trailing this a little bit throughout the episode, but essentially this is a question of when the next general election will be. I think that that election will be in either May or June of next year.
1: Kerry, when did you think it would be? I've got it in uh, next autumn, so I, I'm looking around that October time. And, Rich, you have everything in between.
2: No, I don't. I have, Jan- you have? January 2025.
0: You're, so you think they're going full-time? Yeah, absolutely. Full-term.
2: And the logic simply being that there's literally nothing that they can do to change around the prevailing wind beyond, you know, uh, um, they um say ex machina. Um, You know, it it is that is literally the only thing force majeure, act of God, whatever. (laughs) There is literally nothing that the Conservative Party can do to change the direction of political momentum at the moment. And so they're just going to push it as long as possible uh, in the hope that something comes up. Can I say why I disagree? Yeah, of course. I always invite happy for people to be wrong on the podcast (laughs) at
1: any time. So, the, the, just before you come, the rumor mill is stronger for May. S- since you kind of suggested it, I've heard it from several other places as well. But um, go on, why why is Rich wrong? I like to hear that as well. So, rumor mill,
0: let's talk about the rumor mill. Let's talk about that feeling that it's going to be May. So, a couple of reasons. So, the Conservatives have, uh, will in January move their um, elections chief uh, in, in, into uh, number 10. Prep for an elect with the idea that they should be ready for an election in May. They still say they're aiming for November, but with the aim of being ready for May. They're picking candidates at a rapid pace. Those whom I'm speaking to in the Welsh Labour Party are getting very strong feeling it's going to be in May. I think the autumn statement was a good indication that it's likely to be soon as well because the national insurance cut is taking effect from January, giving people. Uh, for four, four or five months or so to to feel the benefit of that in their pocket but also with the idea that a budgetary moment or a fiscal event in the spring the budget will allow them the headroom to say uh, there's going to be a tax cut if you vote for us but also because and I don't like ending episodes on like big looming bombshells But there is the general feeling that the global economy is going to have a a, a rather sad budgetary moment in the summer. So whilst you're not wrong, Rich, I think the die is cast one way over the other. There's a question of degree. And I think that while the Conservatives are likely to lose the next election, I think if they wait till after the summer, they would lose it by significantly more and be in a much worse position to rebuild for the next general election than they would be if they went in May. So that is why I think it will be May, June time this year.
2: Why do you think it's going to be awesome, Kerry?
1: Um, Because I think, like you, they want to stretch it out for as long as they can. I think the appeal of a January winter election in the dark isn't that appealing to anyone, so... A kind of autumny, late September, early October period would be great. A lot of what Matt just said in terms of what Jeremy Hunt announced in this year's autumn statement, it'll it'll have longer to bed in. you will also got that uh, increase in the minimum wage that I mentioned. That'll be in people's pockets all over the summer. You know, gamble on a nice, warm, hot summer, We can keep full employment or as near as full employment as we've got. People have got jobs. Inflation comes down. Maybe the Bank of England will take a a point or a quarter point off interest in the summer. Because I I don't know where Matt's, um, you know, we have to get Danny Blanchetara on to talk around the future of the global economy. and, And while it's looking to slow, it's not huge. Well, certainly from the IMF, it's not huge slowdown in the global economy next summer and I just think well you know I I can't see anything but a Labour victory and I think the country needs a change if nothing else even if it's just a blue rosette to a red rosette a change is going to be welcome but it's just the scale of that defeat and I think the Conservatives will keep it going until they can keep that and keep as many people in office as possible you know.
0: It's nice to hear Kerry saying things can only get better in such a enthusiastic way.
1: I I, I kinda of like what was his other one? <laughs> education, education, education. That that's gonna be my I'm pushing that for the Greens to to re, revamp that one. <laughs> Thanks, Kerry. Right.
0: So I suppose all that's left to do is uh, if you've managed to get this far into the episode, is to basically comment under wherever you uh, have seen it, whether that be YouTube, Twitter, etc., and say who you think will be right. Uh, whether Rich, me or Kerry will be the one taking home that sweet, sweet five pound prize uh, at the end of a general election. Anyway, thank you as always to everybody uh, for listening. I was joined as always by uh, Mr Kerry Davis. Kerry, where can everyone find you on Twitter?
1: Uh, thanks, Matt. I remain on Twitter, or X, or whatever you want to call it, as Kerry the Viking. Yeah, Kerry, uh, thank you again to Mr
0: Richard Martin. Rich, where can everyone find you on the socials?
2: Yep, I'm at Mimosa Cymru on any of them, including still X Twitter, but increasingly more X X Twitter than in case. <laughs> and Matthew?
0: Uh, Yes, I've been uh, Matthew Hexter. You can find me on the socials at Hexter101 H-E-X-T-E-R 101 um, 101. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard this evening, please don't forget to find Hearth on all the socials at Pod. You can go to our website, www.walespolitics.com And thank you for supporting us with your ears But if you would like to do so with your wallet, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash Pod. Thank you for listening to Hiraith. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.